what I learned from experience, when you receive in financial information at the right time, as quick as possible, as accurate as possible, that's when you can make the best business decision, right? So that's mean I work on a deadline and then I have to be able to manage myself. A few years ago, it became trendy to explain away the operational problems in our businesses by saying something like, damn it, Jim, I'm an entrepreneur, not a manager. This trend was actually fueled by a book called Rocket Fuel by a man named Gina Wickman. In Rocket Fuel, Wickman argues that entrepreneurs are visionaries. He writes, entrepreneurs hunt. They don't manage. They explore rather than analyze. They build companies with vision, creativity, and tenacity, not with policies and procedures. Now, he continues by suggesting that every visionary needs someone to be their integrator. And the integrator's role is to manage between the entrepreneur's vision-driven ideas and the people on the ground actually making those things happen. And I bought it. Hook, line, and sinker. I'm Tara McMullen, and you're listening to What Works, the show that transcends the hype to bring you candid conversations about what's really working to run and grow a small business today. Now, the ideas in Rocket Fuel felt right to me. After all, the idea of creating, managing, and dear God, following procedures made me feel all sweaty and claustrophobic. Finally, someone was telling me what I had suspected all along. I just wasn't good at managing. I wasn't built for precision execution. I would always be suffocated by routine analysis and consistency. And lots and lots of other small business owners I know bought this argument too. And soon we saw job descriptions for integrators everywhere. We saw virtual assistants and online business managers start advertising themselves as integrators. And while this language might be new to you, I have a feeling that this distinction between the idea creators and the idea managers feels familiar. Here's what I've realized since I myself caught the rocket fuel fever. While it's true that some of us are gifted with natural aptitude toward one side of the spectrum between vision and management, that doesn't get us off the hook for taking the time and care that's necessary to manage projects well. Just because I'm an idea machine doesn't mean I can't also be a procedure machine. Just because I'm creative doesn't mean I don't have to follow systems. Just because I'm fueled by vision doesn't mean I get a pass on thinking through the process behind my vision's execution. Plenty of people will say that you've got to stay in your zone of genius to be successful. And at the risk of mixing metaphors, I will say cross-training is important. I'm not either or. I'm both and. And the more I've stepped into everything I can bring to the table, held my own feet to the fire, and chosen to take a bigger role on the systems and execution in my own business, the better the business has worked. Coincidence? I think not. Now, I wanted to share this today because as we continue our series on project management, I think it's important to address the voice in your head that might be saying, oh man, I really wish someone could just do this all for me. I know that voice. I listened to that voice for a long time. I wanted to believe that someone, anyone, was the solution to my problem. Heck, I pay people to be the solution to this problem to this very day, and they are wonderful, capable, and a huge asset to the work we do at What Works. 
But what I realized is that I am the solution to my own problem. I can do this. I can decide to document and follow through. I can choose precision and care. And every time I do, the work gets better and better, and I feel immense relief. This week, we're turning our attention to the complex job of tracking financial reports and projections. And continuing our theme of project management, we're not looking at the money side of things. We're looking at the project management side of things. I wanted to know how people who work with lots of data and reports manage the process, communicate with their clients, and organize all the work that has to be done. So I asked Christina Shawley, an on-demand CFO and cash flow analyst, to share her process. Christina started her career in corporate finance and now brings that experience to established entrepreneurs in the process of scaling up to $1 million in annual revenue. In this conversation, Christina shares how she manages the financial reports that help her do her job, how she tracks changes in those reports so the history of the project is never lost, how and why she uses Trello boards to interact with her clients, and why being deadline-oriented helps her manage her own work. Now, let's find out what works for Christina Shally. Christina Shally, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. Well, Tara, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. All right. So we're going to get into the nitty gritty of how you manage your CFO clients, how you manage the projects of like understanding what the heck is going on with their financials and then help them figure out how to grow their business um, from the money side of things. And that all to me sounds like a pretty daunting process. So let's just start at the very beginning. What is the very first thing you do with a new client? Okay, so with any new client, the first thing that I started asking questions. <laughs> so the first thing is that why the client contacted me at the first place. And I also want to understand what issue do they believe that they have? What do they want to accomplish in their business? So it's going to be their long-term vision. And what is their timeline to accomplish their vision? The reason I'm asking all of this question, so when I review their financial number, their current financial number from balance sheets and profit and loss perspective, I can see if their financial number actually align with the information that they give me, the issue that they believe in, that they have, and then what is their long-term vision. I can also see if they have strategic, they have been strategic in their investment and resources. So, you know, really started with the question and after that, analyzing the current financial number to really understand what does the number is telling me? What are the story there within the numbers? Gotcha. Can you tell us what that process actually looks like? Yes, definitely. So, okay, when I, I always look at the profit and loss first, especially with small businesses, because in small businesses, everything is related to uh, cash flow. And the way they recorded their profit and loss is actually based on cash. The fr- I always ask for a report where I said, okay, give me the, tr- I want to see month by month profit and loss. So I will see the trend and the type of expenses that are coming in uh, through their profit and loss. Okay. So I have a sense over there. Uh, what is their profitability? Do they have a cash flow issue? And if that is uh, a cash flow issue, 
what is the possibility uh, of the issue? Is it pricing? Is it overspending? Or is just simply lacking of cash flow process? And I could tell from the profit and loss. Um, the next thing that I also look at is the balance sheet. It, because the balance sheet will tell me if they have an account receivable. Account receivable means that, you know, future payments they're going to they're gonna receive uh, with clients. And then if that... If I compare the balance sheet at the beginning of the year to the current month, and then I see that the number is growing, it's going to tell me some kind of issue because there, I, I would say, okay, well, your revenue is an X amount. And it, it seems like you have, if you are telling me you're collecting cash every month, why your account receivable continue to increase? So those are the two type of things that I'm doing with them uh, in terms of profit and loss and the balance sheets. Gotcha. Do you do that in a session with them? Is that something that you do sort of on your own? How does that piece of it work? So I do two things. Like I, before, after I'm, uh, before I met up. So first, you know, when I first met up with them, I would ask them about all their issues. And then I would ask them like, what are their long-term vision? Then I'm going to ask them to give me access or they can send me their profit and loss and balance sheets before the second session. Because then I want to review on my own and then I like to soak it in. I like to review and perform my own analysis to understand like what is really going on in their financial numbers. So the second session when I meet with a client, then I ask more deeper questions, right? Mm -hmm. How is that going to, for example, if a client is telling me, you know what, I want to sell my business in five years, or, you know, I, I'm going to give you a simple example. A client will tell me, I want to open a store. Mm -hmm. I want to open a brick and mortar store by the end of 2020. Then I'm going to when I look at their financial number and then I look at their profitability, the next question that I'm going to say, if their profitability is not supporting that plan, I'm going to say, okay, how are you going to fund that? Because if you're telling me how much is your rent expense going to be for uh, that store? And then they said, okay, it's $6,000. I said, okay, well, your profitability is not showing me $6,000 right now. So what are you thinking? to get it, to get your profitability, to support your plan to open a store. Gotcha. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. So it sounds like at least the initial phase of these projects is kind of a balance between the coaching and question asking and sort of probing piece of it, and then your own analysis that is almost what inspires those questions. Does that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then this is, this is the thing. When when we talk about finance, it's not only looking at the numbers. Mm -hmm. When you talk about finance, based on my experience, you have to be curious. And then you have to listen to, you know, like to your client and then listen and understand what is their process within their business? What is their vision? What do they want to accomplish? And you know, the number is basically supporting what they want to accomplish, right? So yes, absolutely. Got it. Okay. So 
That makes... <laughs> I, I want to get into sort of like how you actually manage that then as a project. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I, I know it's, it's, it is, it can be a sticking point. I, I mentioned to you at some point, I said, you know what, Tara, like my process to manage my clients is very simple. So it, you know, so let me, let me tell you what I use right now is a Trello board. Okay. So each client, I set up each client on a Trello board, each client. And then if they have their team, uh, that want to get involved in this project and working with me, then the client and the team got invited to a Trello board. The reason I'm doing this because I want to keep everybody on the same page. You know, there's so many questions, there's so many files involved that, you know, if I don't manage this carefully and then I don't work together with them, then everything's going to fall apart. So when I set up a client on a Trello board, I set up Trello cards. I have a template that every single client have the same setup. So I have a welcome section and I have original files and report from clients. So everything that a client sent to me or uploaded for me, they're going to attach it on that uh, card, the Trello card. And then the, I also set up a deliverables files, everything that already been reviewed, everything that I already update, I put it in the deliverable files. And the next thing, I also have a superseded files. So it means that, you know, once we updated one file and then that the older files, the previous file, I put it under the superseded file uh, card under Trello. Just in case, I never delete those because in case if I, you know, somebody lost a file, I can still go back and then I can rework it again. I also set up a question and answer in there. So every time they have a question, they post it over there. And then I told them, okay, put a title. If your question is about cash flow, put a title cash flow. So everything that is related to cash flow, I we're going to... Uh, we're going to answer the questions there. And the next thing, each session inside that Trello board, I also set up a card for each session. So everybody knows what we will discuss, the summary of our discussion. And if I need a client or the team to gather information from, from, uh, from them, like I need information from them, I will create a task and assign it to a client with a deadline. Well, goodness. I know you said you, your system is very simple. And that does sound fairly simple, but it's also really well thought through. <laughs> yeah, because um, it and it, it does. Okay. In all honesty, it wasn't like that at the beginning, right? Like, I have to learn this. Um, first, when I first started working on my own, I set up everything the way I thought about it when I was working my corporate job, mm -hmm. right? It's like, it's like file folders, like, uh, you know, we use uh, uh, Outlook. So I created folder for each client and or each operation. And so I gather all the emails over there. And then I have like, you know, folder for each type of files um, when I was working at corporate. But then I realized, you know what? Like this is so many communication. And then, you know, the clients just, I have no control of the question that they are asking, the files that they send me. And then 
it got lost in translation in the email boxes. <laughs> so, and then I'm like, okay, I cannot, I cannot do this anymore. And then someone actually, you know, I was in a mastermind and then the, the leader of this mastermind introduced me to Trello. And then when I saw that, uh, it's a light bulb moment. I'm like, okay, I can use this for my own project to manage my clients. And then I set it up just the way I set it up um, you know, in, in, a, in my Dropbox before, I want to know like what is, uh, what I need to send to them in the welcome uh, when they just sign up with me, what files, like what is the original files that they send me? Because I want to keep track of those. Um, and then what is my deliverables to them? What are the old file? What are the question and answer? Question and answer before it was in emails. Now I set it up in Trello. It just makes my life so much easier. Uh, I love it. And I love that you've shared kind of how things have changed too, because I think a lot of people get stuck thinking, oh, I got to get this right from the get-go. Or like they make it a much bigger project than it has to be because they force that perfectionism on them, on themselves, instead of recognizing, no, this is something that can change and you're going to learn things and you're going to gather new tools and it's going to get better. Um, so I really appreciate you sharing that piece of it as well. You'll hear more from Christina in just a minute, but first a word from our What Works partners. What Works is brought to you by Bench Tax. Now the books are closed on 2019 and it's time to take a look at your year-end financials. Did you get the most out of every dollar you spent in 2019? Are you prepared to make the most out of every dollar you're spending in 2020? And even more importantly, you have a partner who can make understanding your business tax deductions as simple and carefree as possible? This year, Bench can help you do it all. Bench is the people-powered bookkeeping solution that helps you get the most out of every dollar you spend on your business. But now, Bench has gotten even better. Now you can work with Bench to not only make sure your books are in order and your business finances are managed, but that your business taxes are filed too. From start to finish, Bench Tax gives you a centralized all-in-one tax filing solution. You'll have your own totally aligned and super smart team to get you through tax season without the stress. And you'll rest assured knowing that you're getting the most out of every dollar this year. Plus, Bench Tax is a fast and affordable way to make sure your taxes are handled. To get started with Bench, go to explorewhatworks.com bench. That's explorewhatworks.com bench. What Works is also brought to you by Mighty Networks. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess that you've already started growing an audience through social media, an email list, YouTube channel, or maybe a podcast. That's what I did too. I gathered an audience around my blog, my social content, and yes, this very podcast, but it always felt a little flat, a little one-sided, like I was shouting out into the ether, hoping someone would respond. Even though I knew thousands of people were paying attention, I didn't always feel connected to them. And if I'm not connected to them, it's hard to create content and offers that serve them. Then I found Mighty Networks. What makes a Mighty Network different from anything else available is the way it connects your people, not just to you and your content, but to each other, all in one place, under your brand, on every device. It means that your community on a Mighty Network gets more valuable to every member with each new person who joins. 
Not only do you have 100% access to each and every one of your members, unlike on other platforms, but a mighty network is designed to spark connections and conversations between your members. So they build relationships with each other and not just you. You start to see exactly how you and your business can help. You notice exactly what they need from you to take the next step, make a change and transform their lives. Truly connecting with your audience is good for business and it's good for them too. Intrigued? It's time now to get started with Mighty Networks. You can start your Mighty Network free of charge by going to MightyNetworks.com. That's MightyNetworks.com. So you've you've shared how the process gets managed sort of on the client facing side. And mm-hmm. I know that you're kind of like actively working in that as well. But I'm also really curious on the Christina facing side of things. In other words, <laughs> how do you manage or how do you keep yourself on track and knowing yeah. that things aren't falling through the cracks as you're, you know, you've got so many different reports to look at on a monthly basis or, you know, so yeah. many different numbers to run. What does that piece of the process look like? Okay. Well, uh, first of all, um, you know, one of the thing, one of the value of financial data is about giving the right information at the right time to clients, mm-hmm. right? So, for example, like when I work with the business owners, I want to make sure that they receive the report by the first week of the month because you what I learned from experience when you receive in financial information at the right time as quick as possible as accurate as possible that's when you can make the best business decision right mm-hmm. so that's mean I work on a deadline and then I have to be able to manage myself so when I first uh, working with clients, uh, you know, I, I, uh, on a Trello board, for example, on the welcome uh, card, I put like the session, like they already booked with me. Like I put a schedule over there. Now I also set up for myself on a calendar, you know, three days before each session, I put a deadline on what kind of information, what kind of files that I either need to download from their uh, software, because, you know, I may have access to QuickBooks. Some clients give me access to QuickBooks or they give me access to Wave, whatever it is, right? And then if, let's say that I need an information from them, for example, I said, okay, I need an updated marketing metrics for the month. Okay, you need to send it to me because I don't have access to that. I give them like I said, I set up a reminder three days before the deadline. So when I do that, I got the reminder. And then if I will send, I will tag the client on the Trello board and then saying this specific report is due in three days. Make sure that you send it to me. By doing that, I make sure that I stay on schedule to collect the information so I can give them the report that they need. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the, the next thing also, because there's so many files that is flying around from client and me, uh, even though inside the Trello board, I ask the client to attach the file under the original files from clients. I also use a naming convention in there for my file. So I set up the file with year, month, and date, follow with the client's name, and then also follow by the 
type of files? Like, is that a cash flow mod? Is is that a cash flow projection? Is it a financial model? Is it a profit and loss? And then, so when when I set it up that way, it makes me easier, and then also to to make sure that I'm working on the right files and I'm working with the right clients' file. Right, because if not, it's just gonna get messy. So those are the you know in terms of deadline, in terms of the file, and then the other thing that I also do, uh, this file that I work with each individual clients has a lot of uh, it's Excel. Mostly I work in Excel. I love Excel. That's just my main <laughs> file that I work on with. I know a lot of people hate it, but I love that. Maybe because I'm used to it, but. One thing that I learned, Excel has a lot of formulas, right? Mm-hmm. And if I am not careful with that formulas, I send it to clients. Clients can make changes with the formula. And then honestly, I'm doomed because mm-hmm. if if they make like if they put the wrong formula, then it's gonna change everything because all this worksheet in Excel is like linking with each other, right? So what I do, I lock certain worksheet so clients can only input on a certain worksheet and then all the other cells with formula i locked it so i i'm the only one that have access to that and the reason i'm doing that is not because i'm a control freak well kind of (laughs) but you know at the same time it's for my sanity if if i figure out like they make a mistake if I figure out there is something is not right with the number because I have a sense on what is my expectation and then suddenly the number doesn't show up the way it should be. Like it's either bigger, it's higher, like it's just not making sense, you know? So I know where I need to look for the errors. If I give them access to all the worksheets and then I don't lock it, if they change a formula, I have no clue where to look. So that is like in terms of all the files. And then the the last thing that I do is, you know, I become better in managing my own time because, you know, now I know when I'm going to do review for my clients. So Monday and Friday are my podcasting day. That's when I create content, when I do my podcast. Tuesday and Wednesday, that's my client-facing time. That's my review time Mm -hmm. with, uh, with my client works. Right. So that's how I manage my sanity. Now, at the same time, I also, you know, my I work only with a certain number of clients. I don't have like high volume clients. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it allows me to manage my time, you know, to give the best deliverables value to each client. Mm, that is a great takeaway for people too, because I think that's <laughs> that's one of the big challenges with project management is that you end up taking on too many people or you overestimate your capacity and then you're stressed about, out about your project management because you're trying to manage too many damn projects, right? Yes. And then I, I think I made this, I made a conscious decision when I started my business. I said, okay, I know that I want a high touch service. And because of that, I know that I cannot take on too many clients. When you're dealing with a lot of uh, financial data and then you are trying to meet deadlines, I know if I have too many clients, I won't give them the best value that they that I can give to them. So I made a conscious decision to do it this way. Gotcha. 
I want to circle back just a tiny bit. Um, you know, you've talked about the client facing uh, piece on Trello and how you have them upload files here. And then you talked about your naming conventions. I'm curious how much of your project management is actually kind of training the clients that you have to work with you in the way that's going to help both of you get the best results. So um, at the beginning, um, when I started talking to them, I walked them through what is my process, right? Mm -hmm. So I explained explained to them, uh, obviously, I do it in a a Zoom video, right? So I share my screen and then I explain to them, here are the Trello. And then if they're not familiar with Trello, you know, like I... I explain it because it's very visual. A lot of clients that I work with, it's actually, uh, you know, catch on pretty quickly. So I explain where they need to put the files. And then the reason it's easy also for them, because even inside, like, for example, if I said, okay, here's the original files that you need to tag on, like to uh, upload it or the all the files that you sent to me. But inside there, I also divide it. Like this is cash flow. This is where you're going to attach all the cash flow related. Mm. This is the balance sheet. This is where you put the balance sheet. This is the profit and loss you put over here, right? And then this is the question and answer. And then I also title the question and answer. Cash flow questions, balance sheet question, profit and loss, pricing. So I make it very specific for them. So when they go into Trello, they don't have problem to understand what's going on. Now, uh, also like each session, because I make it so details in there, what we going to discuss at each session, session one, uh, we going to discuss like, what is your long-term vision, right? Like what is your current business model? So I laid it, I write it down very detailed in each section what exactly we're going to talk about what information they're going to need and then because of that it i find it like it's not it's not they they don't have problem to uh to understand the process and then i think that's very key is to set up the expectation from the beginning how you want to work with them and then make sure that they follow it Right. And I haven't had any problems so far. Everybody has been cooperating with me and they, you know, I, I just haven't seen anything so far. Yeah. Well, that was actually, you just anticipated my next question, which is, you know, it's one thing to tell people this is how it's going to work and this is what you need to do. And then it's another thing for them to actually do it. (laughs) And I was curious if you've experienced resistance to the the process and the way that you want to work with people. And it sounds like no. And that being said, then what do you attribute that to? I think it's communication, and really setting up the expectation from the very beginning on how we are going to work together. And I, what I find, and I think that this has also come from my corporate experience, where, you know, I really find like setting communication and then uh, setting up expectation, uh, setting up deadlines from the very beginning. So people understand the big pictures on how the process is going to go, right? So when, let's say that, you know, obviously clients are also busy, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I may receive the information, um, what is it? 
at the last minute, right? But because I send them, a, because I set the expectation, and then I already said from the very beginning, you know, I can attack you like three days before the deadline. And then because of that, they are aware. And then let's say that they've been very, very respectful so far. They would send me an email say, "Hey, you know what, Christina? Like I'm busy, and I cannot send you this information because of." emergency or whatever right and then I understand that and then I'm gonna say okay so that means you know I may deliver the report that you need it's gonna be like a day late right mm-hmm. because it's only fair and then I explain to them from the very beginning so there is no miscommunication and then again I think it's also going back to the type of client that I work with right mm-hmm. and because I am very specific on who I want to work with, I really think that helps in the whole process as well. Yeah. Can you describe who you work with? Well, first of all, like I work with people who really wants to grow their business to seven figures. That's one thing. So they have long-term vision. And the the first question, or not the first, but one of the questions that I always ask them when they first talk to me, I said, are you ready to make a commitment so we can work together? Because I said, in financial, in working to achieve your financial goal, in working together in this partnership, I cannot work alone. I need time commitment from you as well. And I said, at a very minimum, I'm going to need two hours of per week from mm-hmm. you. Are you ready to commit to that? And I ask that very directly. If, you know, if they say, well, you know, I have other projects, you know, that is going on, I'm not really sure. Then honestly, I'm going to say, well, maybe this is not the best time for you to work together with me, right? Because you know, to make changes in your financial process and then for you to be able to have the best value that I deliver to you, you also need to work with me. So I work with people that is already at the stage that they know how important financial data is, how important to understand their numbers on a monthly basis or on a, a quarterly basis. So they are ready to work with me. Got it. That makes a ton of sense. Um, you mentioned a little bit ago your your extensive background in corporate. I'm curious how much of what you learned about managing the project of understanding a business's finances, understanding a department's finances, um, how much of that you've taken into the way you manage your clients and, and your projects today? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so here's the thing. I gotta obviously, you know, I spent 20 plus years in corporate and then it's all in finance and then also managing clients, managing operation, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot a lot of my experience really I have I have to say it's you know I I gain all the experience and then how I manage my clients from there. I'm gonna share with you uh, three things what I really truly learned from my corporate experience. One, I learned that finance, financial management isn't about controlling spending and managing costs. It's about appropriately allocating limited available resources in the best way for supporting 
maximum growth. That's what it is, right? So, you know, we know that most entrepreneurs do not have endless bank account. So I, my job is to help them allocate their limited resources, in this case, maybe marketing dollars, more effectively. When I get into a conversation with them, I focus on where it's best to spend that money for maximum return and when is the best time for them, when the cash is available for them to use. And then I don't do this just by saying, okay, you have to manage your marketing costs or your marketing expense, right? I use data. I take, you know, I I want to understand what are your marketing metrics that is available to you? What are the number of leads per month? From where? What is your conversion rate? And then from there, I help them to understand. I said, okay, you know what? Like based on what you have, the, this pocket of money that you have that you allocated for marketing, and then based on this marketing metrics that you just tell me, let's think w- this is what the best thing for you. Do you, you know, and or if you have a different option, let's talk about it. That's what I believe. Like, it's not about only controlling spending and managing costs. A finance person, that's not our job. So that's number one. Number two, effective communication, it's more than agreeing on deadlines and expectation. Mm. I have to learn about speaking with clients, not in the language of my profession, but to keep things simple and speak to them in the language that they can understand. It's, you know, in corporate, finance is always like the oddball. Nobody wants to talk to us because <laughs> when, and then that's, you know, like it's, it's obvious because sometimes when you talk to finance person, they're using a lot of jargon. What I learned from my corporate experience, when I speak with operation people, when I speak with marketing or sales team, I have to go to that level. I have to be able to speak their language. But because I accumulate data, like the marketing metrics, you know, the sales numbers, I can speak to their language, mm-hmm. right? So just let me give you a quick example. Accrual is an accounting term. It's a jargon that client may not understand. But if I ask you, Tara, I say, hey, Tara, in Yellow House Media, is there any transaction with your contractor where you know the work has been done, but your contractor has not sent you an invoice and you have not made payment? Rather than asking you, do you have an accrual, Tara? (laughs) You probably, exactly, you probably likely to know how to answer that question than if I use an accounting jargon. Right. So that is that is the second thing. And then the other thing is that when and how you communicate is as important what you communicate. I think I mentioned earlier why I'm so big in listening to my clients. And then I always listen with curiosity, meaning that I always dig deeper. Keep asking them questions. You know, I have to ask, like, how are you getting leads? How are you turning that leads into client? How do you price your product? How many clients are you converting each month? What is your capacity to service? Those listening skills and the curiosity, I learned that from my experience. Because when I talk to, again, operation people, the more curious and the more I listen to them, the more information that I 
receive from them. And then those information are the data that I use to develop, you know, my projection, my financial model, my assessment. So it's just the way you communicate and what you communicate is so important. Oh my goodness. I love it. Christina, I am so glad that you've given us this perspective on setting expectations, clear communication, and how that all helps you manage your clients and the work that you have to do more easily and helps them manage it too. Um, Looking into 2020, what are you excited about for next year? Well, I'm excited about my podcast. (laughs) Her CEO journey, you know, I'm excited for that. I you know, I have a very interesting topic each month. And then I already line up like so many business owners that are willing to share uh, their financial journey, their businesses, but I'm going to attack it, not attack, but I'm going to discuss it from a different point of view, right? Like I'm going to, one of the topic that I'm really excited, it's about financing, what financing mm. option out there that is available to women entrepreneurs, because you've been hearing all this buzz that, It's harder for women to get financing. But at the same time, I also going to speak with people that going to say financing is not always the best option. Slower and organic growth is the best one. Bootstrapping is the best one. So I want to tackle the area of business finance through my podcast from different different um, mindset, I guess, you know, if I if I could say mindset, it's not mindset, I get different opinion, because yeah. we're all different. And then what works like, you know, your podcast, what works, what works for one person may not work for the other. So I just my goal is to give them the option, and then they can make the best decision for their own business. Beautiful. Christina Shelley, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you, Tara. Find out more about Christina Shawley at ChristinaShawley.com. That's Christina, S-J-A-H-L-I.com. And you can find Christina's podcast, Her CEO Journey, wherever you listen to What Works. Before I let you go, I want to share something we've been working on to help you develop your CEO habits. What's a CEO habit? Well, simply they're the habits that make you an effective leader as a business owner. They're the habits that save you time, make you money, and spread your impact over the long term. Now, unfortunately, we often end up getting so caught up in the work we do building products or delivering services that we ignore those CEO habits and it costs us big time. Without strong CEO habits, we end up spinning our wheels or even burning out. The most important CEO habit, and perhaps the habit that every other CEO habit boils down to, is noticing and prioritizing what works for you and your business. And yet, instead of noticing and prioritizing what works for us, we get pulled in a million different directions by shiny objects, seemingly urgent emails, and an ever-changing marketplace. When you build your CEO habits, you cultivate focus. You prioritize productive action. You let go of false priorities and you find your confidence. In just a couple of weeks, What Works is rolling out a brand new experience designed to help you solidify your habit of paying attention to what works for you, connect you with other small business owners doing the same, and develop the confidence you need to truly lead your business. It's called 100 Days of What Works. 
each weekday over 100 days, you'll receive a prompt experiment or assignment so you can start your day focused on what works for you. Each day's task will take 20 minutes or less to complete, so your new CEO habit can fit easily into your morning routine or daily workflow. Each week, you'll spend one day focused on marketing and sales, one on product and business model development, one on money, one on operations, and one on mindset. Plus, you'll have the chance to share your work and reflections in a private area inside the What Works Network. We're putting the finishing touches on 100 days of What Works right now. So if you're ready to prioritize what works for you and your business in 2020, you'll want to get on our waiting list. Go to explorewhatworks.com slash 100. That's explorewhatworks.com slash the number 100. Enter your name and email address, and we'll be in touch with the details very soon. Next week, you'll hear from Isaac Watson, the founder of Kick-Ass Conferences. Isaac's going to share how he manages long, complex projects that culminate in two or three days of unrelenting, on-the-ground project management. What Works is a production of Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode was edited by Marty Seafelt. Production assistance provided by Kristen Runvik. Our theme music is by The Shrugs. Want more of what works in your life and business? Each week, I send out a free curated newsletter with my handpicked resources for building a business that works better. To get your free copy of What Works Weekly, go to explorewhatworks.com. That's explorewhatworks.com.